Good morning. This is Kevin Butler from your Chicago Bears, and you're listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. For September 6th, 2022, I'm Steve Fodor. I'm Chip Hassan We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. This week, Chip, it is football time. The NFL is starting up their season. And you, you, my friend, went to go see some college games over the weekend. It's the first time I've been in that stadium in probably 20 years. Let me guess, North Carolina. It's a school in North Carolina, absolutely. And we had a game that ended on the last play. I mean, what what more could you ask for? It was super exciting. The place was packed. It was sold out. We had 51,000 people there. And I was one of them. And looking forward, do you think that that's going to continue throughout the football season? I, I think so, at least for both of these schools. Um, the, th- the schools I went to see were East Carolina, who has had, a, I don't know, 10 years of really bad football but really it seems to put things together at this point. In fact, their quarterback has a fifth year that he's able to play because of COVID, because the COVID protocols allowed players to have an additional year. And the team they played was North Carolina State, which is a team that has an outside chance of getting to the playoffs and an outside chance of winning the conference. They're ranked 13th right now. Okay. They actually do have an Illinois um, connection, Steve. Their coach, Dave Dorian, was a former Northern Illinois University coach. I've heard of Northern Illinois University. There you go. Local flavor, Steve. There you go. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. You, my friend, got a chance to go to a movie theater and see the latest movie from George Miller. This is 3,000 Years of Longing. This was um, a movie that I didn't really know if I would have had high expectations for or not. Uh, it was just looked interesting. And I enjoyed it. They had a great cast in this film. This is a story where a genie presents to a person who is an expert on storytelling. That is her profession. She's a professor. She gives seminars on this. Um, And then the genie says, what is your heart's desire? And her response eventually is, there is not a story that has a genie in it that isn't a cautionary tale. And so this story has a connection to COVID. There are people wearing masks in this story. And it's kind of there, and maybe it's the area that you need to pick up on. So we've got a, our professor, who is our, uh, our lead, who has been presented with an offer from a genie. And at this point, um, we, we're going to start learning more about her. This could be a one-room play, uh, ultimately. And in fact, it may, be, it may be rewritten for this. Eventually, she goes back to England and it, you know that's where it moves from it but really I don't necessarily think that adds to this story it really all could take place in one room and it's a dialogue between the genie and our lead and I, I do think this is an interesting uh, movie uh, an interesting play and an interesting dilemma so here's the the depth that I got from having a discussion of, with the person that I went to this movie with this person suggested to me, which I didn't catch up, that Lead is a loner. Mm-hmm. She is a person who is very used to being alone, in many ways, an outsider. So our lead may be on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Very, very light. And, and just so you know, there are a lot of high-functioning people who are on the spectrum. One that, that you may think of is Thomas Jefferson may be, been on that uh, spectrum, too. Interesting. But our lead is, is kind of a... a, a a person who's always been on their own, maybe a little bit on the outside. When she was young, we eventually learned that she had an imaginary friend, imaginary child. Many people do. And um, eventually this child's friend gets sent away. So no longer. But she became a professional storyteller. I shouldn't say storyteller, an expert on on, uh, storytelling. COVID hits. 
Steve. Mm-hmm. She's alone. She's used to being alone. So is this genie that she is having these conversations with, is this really happening? Or is this all in her head? Hmm. There is an incredible thought process going on there. Is this genie an imaginary friend? And I think that is just an incredibly insightful way of reviewing this story and then asking yourself, did this really take place? Hmm. Or is it all in her head? Because not, I'm giving away the ending. The ending is the, the three wishes are granted. Um, the, first, the first wish, by the way, was companionship, which this genie provided. And the last part is the genie went away, but comes back once in a while. So it comes back maybe yearly to view. Basically, could it be that this all takes place in her mind? Mm. And then, you know, once in a while she's feeling lonely and he comes back and talks to her for a little while and then he goes away. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a lot of uh, that you could peel from the onion here. And it's a worthy movie. I don't think that it would be a worthy play for a playhouse to put on. Okay. Um, but I don't know how, um, you know, this isn't a great film or a great story or anything like that. But it is very competently put together. I'm going to say 60 out of 100. And I think that people would will enjoy this. It sounds a lot like a plot in Doctor Who where there is a companion who has this adventure with the doctor and then he goes away when she's a very young child and then he comes back, you know, 30 years later and then she discovers that all of her stories that she's made up for the last 30 years, those were all true. This was a real adventure. Whether or not this 3000 years of longing is a real adventure or just something that's the, the storytelling. I I talk to my students all the time about the adventure of reading, the adventure of storytelling and seeing a movie that takes that on is pretty exciting. Well, exactly. And so, um, she is a divorcee, her husband, uh, you know, went away. Maybe they weren't able to connect because of, you know, how she perceives the world. Mm Mm-hmm. This may have been a solution. This genie is a solution. Once again, you know, he goes away um, and comes back when 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 is needed. I um, I think that intellectuals may enjoy this, um, and I think it's kind of playful. I, I think George Miller did a really good job. This is probably best as a rental, not necessarily going to the theater. Okay, good. You also saw a documentary called The Hong Konger. This one is actually uh, not released in theaters. You uh, found a screening of this, and and you can arrange your own screening of this movie. You certainly can. Uh, This is a movie that's being shopped around. Eventually, I guess, will be shopped around. It was put on by the Acton Institute. Do you know who Lord Acton is, Steve? I don't. Tell me about Lord Acton. Lord Acton is a person who um, inspired this institute. Steve, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So we know the quote Mm -hmm. uh, from this. The Hong Konger is a story of Jimmy Lee. And Jimmy Lee, by the way, there was the, the, the presentation I went to was at the Alamo Draft House here in Raleigh. Nice. Which is only a few miles from my uh, from my house, Steve. Lucky. This is a fun theater. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been to the Alamo Draft House, go to the Alamo Draft House. Certainly an event type, a place that celebrates movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but anyway, this was put on by a local group. Um, and they sponsored this showing. And afterwards, we had a question and answer with uh, the Acton Institute representative. So that was lovely. And uh, the Hong Konger is a story about Jimmy Lee. Jimmy Lee is a person from Hong Kong who came to Hong Kong, smuggled in a boat, had absolute nothing uh, to his name. As a child, he came in to uh, Hong Kong and um, basically built his world up. Part of it was he was part of a wealthy family in China. And when the Cummings Party took over, his family was forced out. Okay. Um, and so um, he came from a wealthy family initially, but really had nothing when he got there. Went to work, menial jobs, 
but from there built a brand of clothing, a clothing retailer. Hmm. Steve, the, the retailer's name was Giordano's. Um, and it, <laughs> where did the name come from? Steve, he must have come through Chicago because I'm not kidding you. It was the pizza place that <laughs> inspired the name. It was a, it's an Italian name, Steve, and it's clothing being sold in China and oh. in Hong Kong. Became very, very wealthy um, and then bought a newspaper. And the newspaper was one of the more expensive papers in Hong Kong. But um, they were very critical of the passing of Britain giving Hong Kong back to China. Uh, Hong Kong was a lease. Britain did not want to look like a colonialist. And so what they did is they gave back Hong Kong to China as the deal uh, as as w w what they agreed to. Mm -hmm. The terms of that gift back to China was that the Hong Kong would be able to continue as it functioned, um, which is probably the freest of free markets in the world at the time, for 50 years. So we're roughly 25 years in, and China continuously erodes the liberties, the um, the right to free speech, the right to self-determination, um, any of those, uh, the, um, the, the Bill of Rights that we have in the United States, any of those have been eroded. In fact, it was very interesting. One of the comments was, as Britain was eroding their you know, uh, rights in their country, Hong Kong, they still remained. Hmm. So Hong Kong really was this incredible experiment. There's really, there, there's no natural resources in Hong Kong. Yet it became incredibly wealthy. In fact, it it had the it, it could have been the engine of China if they would allow it to be. Jimmy Lee was very critical of this, wrote about this, and as you can imagine, the Communist Party in China is not happy at all with that. Um, they eventually have shut down that newspaper. They eventually um, imprisoned uh, Jimmy Lee. Uh, because he is such a, um, and in fact, they, they've done that, the, the Communist Party in, in China. Um, in fact, it's not a Communist Party at this point. It's a fascist. Um, they have a president who's basically been elected for life. Hmm. So they've moved from communism to fascism. Hmm. Um, this is, as, as it's really defined, not as people just throw the, the, uh, the term out to other people, um, but as it's truly defined. But anyway, the, uh, this is the story of the protests of the, of the population of Hong Kong resisting um, the takeover that was accelerated during COVID, too, of the liberties uh, that they were promised. And all I could think of at the end of this documentary was not, not about Jimmy Lee. I mean, Jimmy Lee is tragic. He's a very wealthy person who basically has given up everything because he basically said, if we don't secure these rights for our, our people, then, you know, what's the purpose of, of living? Mm -hmm. um, and, and he, as many wealthy people do, are, you know, they don't have to escape. They can actually make, they can take action and make a big difference. But anyway, um, if there's anything that uh, the Hong Kong protests uh, can teach us, is they teach they taught us how to fight back. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were going to go protest, you don't take your cell phone with them. Um, they taught you how to take tear gas and throw it back. There's the umbrella movement that where people in Hong Kong march the street, millions of people, uh, basically saying um, that the communist China is not how Hong Kong wants their future to be, and that this was promised to them for at least for fifty years. And that we're 25 years in, and, and it's continuously eroded the, um, well, the rights of the people. It, it, it is a true story. One of the, the comments that was made at the end of the um, movie, when we went to the question and answer session, was the United States uh, population doesn't look outside its borders. Mm-hmm. And my response to that is that's a ridiculous statement. That's a ridiculous statement. Go by any university 
look at any community um, in, in, I'm in Wake County, my goodness, you go anywhere in, in Chicago, you're going to see Ukraine flags up everywhere. Because what's, what Russia, when Russia invaded Ukraine, it certainly is. I mean, our news programs cover it. We get information on this all the time. What we don't get, which is a true statement, is you do not see Hong Kong flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. So before COVID, before the Ukraine uh, uh, war started, we got a little more news on the protests going on there. But we don't see a bunch of Hong Kong flags out there. And we really should, because what's going on in Hong Kong, all I can say is the United States open our borders, bring that population to the United States. This is an incredibly industrious group. They've built a, they've built the world. They truly are an engine. And for any person to have their um, ability to choose the life they want to live taken from them mm-hmm. is a tragedy. I mean, it truly is. The, the, the beauty of a, a market-driven economy like Hong Kong is it becomes more accepting of pretty much anything. Uh, it grows. It, it, it's wealthy. And any person can go there with nothing and build something. It still is a promise to the United States. But that doesn't happen everywhere. And, you know, China certainly has its challenges about what's going on in their country and whether their markets are real markets or not. But no one had to debate whether Hong Kong did because Hong Kong holds real books. Mm -hmm. Um, Hong Kong is a very industrious area. It truly is uh, one of the the strongest uh, markets in the the world, if not the uh, brightest market in the world, uh, you know, with the exception of a few other. Jimmy Lee's story is something that, that should be talked about more. I encourage people, if they get an opportunity to see something like this, this is a documentary. This this should be a movie at some point. And um, I think people will find a lot of empathy for the people of Hong Kong and also what Jimmy Lee's going through. Very good. That's That sounds like you had a, a great experience seeing this story brought to the screen. Sure. And, and as a movie, I would say 60 out of 100. Okay. All right. I got a chance to see a really, really bad movie, Chip. You know me. I love my bad movies. I watched the latest Kevin Hart, Mark Wahlberg buddy comedy on Netflix. This is me time. It has broken records. Well, Steve, the question is that this has not been received well. And you said it it was broke records. Yes. For the worst movie on Rotten Tomatoes at 7%. Well, here's the question. When, when does Riff Tracks or Mystery Science Theater get to, to make fun of these movies? Generally speaking, they don't riff comedies. Movies that are supposed to be funny, they do not try to make comedy out of comedies. But this is a ridiculous comedy. This is the story of a... An, a middle-aged man who feels like he is stuck in his family. He loves his kids. He loves his wife. He loves what's happening in his life, but he feels like he's stuck. And the idea of me time is his buddy from college calls him up and says, we are going to do something crazy. And what happens is just a ridiculous wild weekend that is unreal not possible and criminal in its activity so we get kevin hart mm-hmm. and mark Wahlberg as our stars they certainly have done well in comedies in the past kevin hart is definitely a hot commodity in film and stand-up comedy right now mark Wahlberg has done plenty of great comedies and action films this one tries to be an action comedy kind of like lethal weapon but without any of the stakes that a a police procedural would allow this is just ridiculous things happening and and we either feel for the characters or we don't and i tell you what i did not feel for these characters one bit i i just wanted them to stop and this is on netflix Mm -hmm. and so i I mentioned a couple weeks ago about the she hulk and, and disney plus and I said, it's just consumption. Mm-hmm. There's really, it's, there's there, there's so little there. 
Um, and, and what this seems like is, once again, it's a product. It's just consumption. Mm-hmm. But it's not really. There's not much there. Netflix has a lot of money and they need to fill their schedule. They need to have new content in order to keep people on the road of Netflix. And Kevin Hart is a great piece of that puzzle. This movie is not. I would not bother to watch this movie. So not recommended. There we go, Steve. There you go. Well, let's see what's happening this week and see if there's something we can recommend here. Opening this week... There's a movie called Barbarian. This is the story of a woman who goes to her Airbnb, discovers that there's already somebody there, and she stays because she has nowhere else to go. And then, then the adventure begins because there is some dark caverns underneath this house. Barbarian. It's a terrible title. It's a terrible title. It's certainly, this is a horror film, by the way. Okay. I would say thriller, uh, not horror, but okay. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. The, the idea was, the guy goes, well, you know, I, I rented this place too, mm-hmm. but look around this scary neighborhood here. It's from the producers of It. So okay. so I do think this is a horror film. This certainly is the zeitgeist, and Airbnb cannot mm-hmm. be happy that this is coming out because this is every fear that you could possibly want to have. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, that you could pr- project on the airbnb service i don't know the possibilities of uh maiming are certainly on display in this one and, and here's the, here's the beauty of this by the way i mean we use airbnb like we use kleenex mm-hmm. like the name right yeah. yep um or in the south they use the word coke to be any soft drink that, that's a joke it's true but it's a joke yeah. yeah but here's the deal verbo they didn't decide verbo was going to be the company that they were going to go after here. Right. No, no, no. We equate renting your know, room, renting a house mm-hmm. with Airbnb. How how unfortunate for them. <laughs> Barbarian. See, that's not the only horror film coming out this week. Yep, there's one called House of Darkness. This is the story of a mysterious date with a casual hookup that turns to be, oh boy, uh, the the luck has run out, huh? This stars Justin Long and Kate Bosworth. Mm-hmm. This is uh, it sounds like it's based on the vampire novel. So a man comes to um, to I guess date the three women. He goes to date one person, but it becomes three women. This looks like a vampire film. It looks scary. It looks possibly fun. Who knows? I I, I don't know. <laughs> there's one called Medieval that I tell you, there, there's a lot of people that love those medieval tales of just dirty people running around with swords. This one, just simply called Medieval, features Michael Caine, and that's about all I know about it. So, that's, yeah, I think you hit it right there. What do we know about uh, this? The, the the years of the knights, the near, years of the uh, the barbarians uh, coming across. They're just dirty people going <laughs> to fight for valor, Steve. And what do we got? We got Michael Caine right there. How, how exciting course, it is with his course, with his accent. That's it. Fits perfectly. <laughs> There's a movie called About. Fate. This is Emma Roberts. Uh, that's Eric Roberts' daughter, uh, portrayed as a, a young lady who's trying to find love. This is this one plays out like a Hallmark movie, doesn't it? Oh, this is a Hallmark movie, Steve. <laughs> this is a, totally a Hallmark movie, and it's a it, it takes place as a stormy New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. This is like a Hallmark movie. Christmas is in the background. But I guess New York New Year's Eve is going to be the the exciting part about it. You have to have a date to the wedding, or wh- what's what's the what's the or in that sentence? I, I don't know, but but the deal is is it, you know just think Hallmark movie, uh huh, Christmas background, uh huh, have to have a date to the the uh, the the wedding. Uh-huh. The date somehow doesn't get there, but he gets there eventually. So the. Person is a stand-in, and oh no, there could be love, Steve. There could be love. There's going to be a lot of people that love this movie, I'll tell you that much. The Kendrick Brothers have a new film coming out. 
Yes, this one's called Life Mark. It is a true story of adoption and how adoption can be an amazing experience for everybody involved. So is this a true story? This is a true story. Yes, sir. Interesting. All right. So um, if, if you're not familiar with Kendrick Brothers films, they are Christian based. It's a, it's a church out of um, Georgia who put the, together the original funding and it's turned into a, a studio. This is pro they they're typically are the best of the best. So yes, the messaging is pretty um, direct. There's usually a call to action in them. And they're usually very competent. They make a what what I think they do incredibly well is give the verbal presence. And if you ever wanted to understand the South and its relationship to um, religion and the ideal of it, if you this is if you ever wanted to know Chick Fil A, <laughs> this would be a good way to do it. And and so in the previous times they've talked about a father's role in a family. How to run an honorable business, um, a coach that struggles with winning being the goal as opposed to faith being the goal, and how to reach young people. Um, fireproof has to do with um, uh, marriage and sort of how the, the man kind of creates this. Kirk Cameron is a very religious person, mm -hmm. he was involved in fireproof. These are usually very thoughtful films for their messaging. This one is addressing adoption. And this one is addressing a person's longing to know their original birth uh, family. Maybe how the adoptive family can support that. Mm -hmm. And about why someone would choose adoption. Now, there could be some alternative ways of thinking about this. But let's keep it on the light side and just mm -hmm. go. Um, these are usually pretty thoughtful films. And if you, once again, want to understand the South and its relationship to the church, these are probably a good place to, uh, I'm sorry, the American South. It's probably a good place to start. And um, I'll eventually see this because they, they usually are pretty good. And you mentioned Kirk Cameron. This is a movie featuring Kirk Cameron, his first time in a Kendrick Brothers film since Fireproof in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like these. I, I do honestly enjoy the storytelling of the Kendrick Brothers films of the past. The messaging is very strong, but the acting is generally on par with good movie making. And, and I enjoy the storytelling. And, and just so you, you know, I mean, they started with, I think, a $35,000 budget. Mm -hmm. Their first film was Flywheel. And it really was about a, a, a local small town used car salesman coming to terms with running an honorable business. Mm -hmm. And it started because a preacher said, treat this man. He was buying a car for his child. The preacher was. He said, treat this man with the same care that he treated me. Mm. And the deal was he oversold the price of the car. So from Facing the Giants is a very good one. I think Fireproof is a good one. Um, there's one that uh, deals with a wife's position in the family. No one will ever go into one of these films and say they're, they're subtle. <laughs> but the reality is that we all have questions we want to answer how to be a good dad, how to be a good husband, how to live a fulfilling life, how to work with the public. And they're trying to address those mm -hmm. with the tools that they were given. And like I said, I don't think they get better. There's also a documentary coming out called Hockey Land. This Did is you say Hockey Land, Steve? Hockey Land. Hockey. This is the story of the high-pressure world of high school hockey in Minnesota. You say Minnesota, Steve? Minnesota. Minnesota, they like hockey. Yeah, that's. I'm sure that there's a lot of emotion in this one. Uh, I don't want to be a high school teacher because of all the high pressure that uh, situations like sports bring to the high school landscape. Well, Steve, if people want to know where those players for the Blackhawks you know, get their start, or you know, for our locals, the Carolina Hurricanes, where they come from, they come from... Uh, Minnesota, mm -hmm. and they come from uh, Canada, Steve. 
Canada. And from the rest of the world. <laughs> book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings you to our book it, our book of the week. You, my friend, have been thinking about travel and and the idea of getting out i've been thinking about this for a few years of this dumb pandemic when we've been stuck inside of our homes you've read a book called take more vacations how to search better book cheaper and travel the world this is written by scott keys now scott keys is brilliant because this is a book about what many people say that's important to them they would like i'd like to see the world Mm-hmm. but I can't afford to do it. And so Scott created a website called Scott's Cheap Flights. And you can go to the website and you can sign up for um, a free version. And then there's a paid version too. But the idea is that many people proclaim that they would like to go and see stuff. I'd like to go to the national parks. I'd like to go to Hawaii. I'd like to go to South America. I'd like to go to Europe. But one of the things that uh, prevents us from doing that is resources, Steve. Resources. Mm-hmm. And so what he's going to show you is that uh, airlines, that there's a, a strategy on why, how airlines price their flights and why they price their flights and, and how you can potentially take advantage of that. So one of the things that we've talked about a lot on our uh, podcast is that getting away is good for the brain. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to change your perspective of, the, of how you see yourself, how you see yourself fitting in the world, and um, maybe the empathy you have for, for other people. There's no doubt that that is the best way to change your perspective is to change your location, to see something different. If you see the same things, if you, if you are stuck in one place, you, you won't see anything else. I, I immediately think of the, the books we read where they talked about going hiking and it's the third day you're, you're in the third day of your hike. And that you have gotten to the point where you've cleared your, your brain from the day-to-day operations. And now you're seeing things on a grander scale. You've allowed the cream to the rise to the top. These are things I value. And th- then you can sort of let go of the other things. Mm-hmm. Now, I go to the ocean and I can do the same thing. And even Scott's book addresses that, you know, going away for eight days it's probably not as good as going away for seven days. Hmm. The, you have a d- diminishing return uh, the, the, the further you, you're away. And so as far as the, the benefits of it. So many people start off their life, if they get a, a, a traditional job, maybe they have three weeks vacation. How are you going to spend your three of 52? And if you don't have, if you're self-employed and you want to create those type of things, uh, those times away, how are you going to spend that time? So the first thing you need to do is kind of put together your budget. And Scott's telling you, you don't need a lot of money. And guess what? You don't need a lot of money. So if you can save like 300 bucks, you can get an airplane flight to many places in this world. Mm-hmm. If you can save $600, you may be able to get to all of them. Now, you are going to benefit from some flexibility. And that's what Scott talks about, being flexible. Like I want to go to Europe and the the places I want to see are going to be Paris, Rome, and uh, Berlin. So for my example, well, a cheap flight came in and it happens to be to London. Maybe not your top three. Okay. But maybe you want to go because the flight's cheap. And the benefit is getting away. And the point is exploring the, the area. And that's just one of the things he talks about. Uh, he goes, hey, listen, just be flexible. And, and also, we, one of the tricks to the trade is that flying in somewhere. So you can't fly, find a cheap uh, flight into to Berlin, for my example. Well, maybe flying into Frankfurt and taking the train to Berlin could be the answer. Mm-hmm. Or maybe flying into London and taking 
you know, that the, the train across um, to get to Paris may be the way you're going to do it. Because doing stuff like that is a strategy on getting where you want to go. So the first thing is just getting a cheap flight and then deciding whether you want to expand it from where you're going to do, you know, where you are to something else. Mm-hmm. Another strategy talks about is you want to see the world. Well, no one said you had to book all those plane flights. Maybe there's layovers here and there. No one said you, you couldn't fly in someplace. Take a, um, uh, you know, the, the, the metro or whatever the equivalent of uh, into the city of where you originally flew into, coming back a day or so later and taking your connecting flight to the, the place you really want to go. So it allows you to see the world. Was that clear on that? Yeah, I I understand the idea of all of that. I am a car trip kind of guy. I love getting in the car with my family and seeing where I can get from here via my automobile and the 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 strategies of flying places. It's a it's a little more difficult for me, especially nowadays. I have no faith in the airline industry. I don't know that a plane is going to go where it says it's going to go at the time it says it's going to go there. And that's what's keeping me from taking these sorts of trips. Well, for you, it's maybe not the thing to do. But for many people, they want to go someplace that they can't reach by their car. You can't Mm -hmm. drive to Europe. You can't drive to Asia. You can't drive to Australia. Mm -hmm. And uh, while you certainly could drive to South America, probably not the best uh, use of your time. Right. So for a person who would like to go see the the world, uh, these are strategies on how to do it. And what he's pointing out is they can be inexpensive. He goes, the book is divided in a bunch of sections. Some of the sessions are like, how can an airline do this? Well, aren't they going to lose money by selling, I don't know, $175 round trip ticket to some destination in South America? Well, there may be other cargo on that flight mm-hmm. that made it happen. So don't worry about that. Um, you can find your, your plane. And in, Here's the deal. Flying from here to Australia, you know, balled up in an itty-bitty seat may not be the best use of your time as our ages are today. Mm -hmm. But think about your kids who haven't put on those love handles yet. Uh, And and certainly their time may be inexpensive. And this is something that they can do. So the more flexible you can be on on your plans... So if you, you follow sort of like his site, he says, and um, these deals come up, if you're flexible on your vacation time, which a school teacher is not mm-hmm. during the school year, but could be during the summer, then it could allow you to kind of experience experiencing um, the world as you would like to do so. By the way, one of the best months to travel, November. Okay. I, November. I did know that. There's not a lot of big travel that happens in november other than thanksgiving so that... well here's the rest of the world doesn't celebrate thanksgiving right that is true i'm sorry except for the canadians <laughs> it's, it's they do it in october yeah <laughs> <laughs> my wife and i certainly took our vacations before we had kids before we were really locked into our lifestyle right now all of my time and money goes into my family and my home. But I anticipate very, very soon, my kids are going to get to an age where I'm not going to have to worry about them as much. And, and my wife and I will get back to being able to take those sorts of trips. Steve, you got two years and you're an empty nest. I know. <laughs> and so th- that time's not so far away. And the question is, is how are you going to use your free time? So for a person who values seeing the world, there are alternatives. And I've had clients, I've got a client that travels 40 out of 52 weeks a year. Um, Certainly airplanes can do all sorts of things. If you're flexible when you travel and there's not enough seats, somehow they oversold the plane or too much weight or whatever like that. You know, Scott's book talks about strategies on using that. Mm -hmm. It could be another uh, airplane ticket. It could be that they pay you. You know, if you are flexible, as many retirees are, you can take advantage of opportunities that arrive, that arise, excuse me, uh, 
and then basically use those to your, your advantage. This is um, a fun book. Certainly, it could change your life. There are plenty of services out there that do similar things, but the, he put it kind of together. It's also a very wise use of the internet. Um, he created this site because he graduated, moved to D.C., worked in D.C., made very little money, and people were asking him, how can you travel the amount? He, they must have thought he made a, a million dollars. Listen, you don't have to buy the $5,000 airplane ticket from here to some other place. You know, wait for the opportunities to arrive mm -hmm. and then potentially be, be flexible on where you, you go. Your bucket list could have 100 places. Okay, Maybe the top places are not hit this, at this point. And then also be very thoughtful on how you schedule those flights, because if there is a connection here and there, is there something you want to see during those connections? He goes through a bunch of strategies on how to use the site, how to think about travel. Google Flights is incredibly useful for you. Hmm. And then finding the right price to do it. In the, um, the introduction, he talked about $130 flights round trip to Italy. Mm -hmm. He talks going to Japan for $169 round trip. Listen, if your point is to get there, get there, explore it, have the memories, mm -hmm. and change your change your world. Yep. Those, very, very nice. Those stories of travel are are so much more valuable. And, and the money, uh, yes, of course, we're all thinking about the money, but the stories are so valuable. So this book came out in 2021. It's a it's a new book. Um, I, I would suggest it. And certainly, once again, for a person who values their time or has moved beyond uh, having to raise their children and things mm -hmm. like I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Being able to fly all of your children for the price of one person certainly would be pretty cool. Anyway, very interesting book. Those memories, making those memories, that is that is super valuable. That's Although with the cautionary tale is going to be the the, the movie that's coming out uh, called Barbarian State. There's a cautionary tale. Watch out for your Airbnbs for sure. There you go. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Airbnb. <laughs> that's Take More Vacations, How to Search Better, Book Cheaper, and Travel the World by Scott Keys. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. Hey, Chip, do you do you subscribe to Paramount Plus or Showtime? I do not. Guess what, Chip? Most people would say no to that question. Here's an idea. Let's combine those two services that people don't subscribe to and put them all into one service. Although Paramount's put a lot of money into marketing. It's, it's confusing of what it is, but it is the CBS app. Correct. Also known as the Star Trek app. They have all of the Star Treks on Paramount+. Plus. That's what I pay for. And then, yes, I get the CBS shows that my wife enjoys so much. Again, back to that. We've talked about this before. CBS is America's number one network, except in Chicago, where we don't get CBS. I have to pay Paramount+, Plus in order to get CBS broadcasting. Well, that's because the signal is difficult to get out Correct. where you live. Mm -hmm. Okay, but Paramount Plus is an app. You can find it on any of the services out there in Apple TV, a Roku, on um, you know the Amazon Fire Stick. And this month, it's coming to the Walmart Plus. So Walmart Plus is offering Paramount Plus as a part of their subscription. And I assume, I hope, that Showtime will then be a part of that subscription as well this month. Well, that, that certainly is interesting mm -hmm. uh, because when you look at Amazon Prime and its movie service, which is, you know, the Prime service, it seems like Walmart is, this is, this could work, work out real well for Walmart shoppers. That is for sure. What Walmart is trying to do is trying to take away some of that market share from Amazon. Interesting. Now, mm -hmm. what is getting ready to happen and what we're suggesting clients consider, or I'm sorry, listeners consider, would be um, to basically rotate services. 
you know, yes. have the service for a few months, have Netflix for a few months, basically cancel, resubscribe, pause those services because you can watch, you know, Paramount Plus for a few months, watch the latest Star Trek and things mm-hmm. of that nature, pause the subscription, pick up HBO Max, watch those shows for a few months, mm-hmm. pause that subscription. And that would be a, a way to potentially save money mm-hmm. and also to see your shows. Now, the challenge with that is that each of these services is going to be every month try to come up with whatever the latest, hottest thing is. But you know what? That's your benefit. If, you, if you're willing to wait to watch a show, wait to watch the show. And that is Brian Brushwood's idea on Cord Killers, is he says that we should cancel all of our streaming services until such time as we have something on one of them that we want to watch, and then pick up that one. When that one thing is over, then get rid of that one and rotate to a different one. Well, and, and I'm doing that as of right now. There you go. Um, I, my subscription to Disney Plus ends in November for the year. I've, I've purchased on the yearly basis. I'm going to pause that subscription. I have paused Netflix. Uh, the only thing I really have at this point is Amazon Prime because I have it through Amazon Prime. For and the shipping. Have, yeah. And I also have uh, HBO Max that may be going away. Because it's part of my phone cell service plan, mm-hmm. and AT and T and Warner Brothers, who owns HBO Max, are no longer connected. Yeah, and they're just knocking stuff out. We'll see what what uh, shakes out from all of the chaos at HBO Max. Fascinating. Apple is showing us their latest hardware tomorrow. I look forward to uh, watching live the Apple announcement in class with all of my innovative technology students and having their glassy eyes staring back at me while I'm going, look, kids, there's new things from Apple. Well, what we have is also some announcements that were made. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is that Apple privacy has at least been something they've talked about quite a bit. And the, the ability to have turn off whether an app follows your particular information or not. Facebook has been devastated by this. Mm-hmm. And uh, in response to that, there is a gaming service called Facebook Gaming that's available right now on the Apple devices. Well, Meta, the, the parent company, Steve, the parent company, that nobody will ever identify as. You mean Alphabet? Yeah, Alphabet and Google is the same issue. Anyway, they're shutting down the iOS app because they can't track Mm -hmm. your information to earn enough revenue to make it worthwhile. Because the revenue from your information is what's keeping Facebook and Google both afloat. So I actually, I mean, I'm going to fight back on this because I, I am a privacy person who believes that you should have privacy until you grant, you know, them not to be private, I guess. Uh, Brian Kaplan, who is certainly a uh, provocateur, certainly a contrarian to this, he's saying, listen, I don't care if people have my information as far as, you know, tracking cookies and stuff like that. They give me what I want. He has put together an argument in favor of it. Certainly Facebook would be very happy with that. But I, you know, I still, um, I, I do think that we don't really have an idea of how this information is being used, mm-hmm. and potentially of how it could harm people uh, unintentionally. We we have faith in these companies, but yes, the the opportunity for this data to be dangerous is is right there. And I'm not, and, and to be to perfectly honest, Facebook gives no faith that mm-hmm. they are um, the good guys. I mean, they've given you Facebook, which is how wonderful that is. You can connect with your school teachers from the past. Mm-hmm. But um, really deep down, is, is it harmful? We don't know. There's, there's, a lot, uh, there's a lot more to unpack there. But anyway, Meta is making a, a case that they are shutting down Facebook gaming on Apple devices because they just can't earn enough revenue on those. Right. Steve, you know, what I would like to do is take nine years worth of, I don't know, podcasting, recordings, and actually make some money on this. And guess what? 
subscriptions on Apple Podcasts are up 300% this year, Steve. People are actually pulling revenue. Yes, 300% times 0.0001 is a lot of money. Well, what it really means is that people are subscribing to different podcasts and they're willing to pay for content. And what that allows, um, or what we're seeing, is certainly the protection levels are going much, much higher. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it on YouTube, too, by the way. If you're seeing the crowding out of you know, John in his basement for certainly things with much more production value is, is going up significantly. What we're seeing right here is uh, gate, Dateline Premium is one of the, the suggestions um, that it's basically true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're paying $3 a month, 30 bucks a year. So, Steve, we're going to do true crime. So when you say we're going to do true crime, I I am already automatically out of your plan here, Chip. I don't know who you're robbing. We're, we're, we're not, Steve. We're going to open some Airbnbs. <laughs> that's that's where the barbarians are, for sure. That's right. They're going to, in fact, that's what we're going to get. That's our company, Barbarian LLC. Airbnb. And, it's one of, and we're going to own, own a bunch of Airbnbs. One of the Bs is for <laughs> barbarians, yes. <laughs> we would like to thank our patrons for keeping us going financially. The Those of you who are keeping us going on this, thank you for supporting almost nine years of podcasting. If you want to become one of our patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash too much scrolling and support us in this effort of all of this fun there there's the advertisement chip (laughs) i don't know chip i think we have enough information to survive another week what do you think only if we can come back next week steve i think so we would love to hear from you give us a call or a text our phone number is 805-4104-TMS our website is too much scrolling.com our email is too much scrolling at gmail.com we're on twitter and instagram and facebook we're on spotify and apple podcasts and youtube and you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of too much scrolling i want to thank you again for listening to too much scrolling i'm steve Foder. i'm chip hessenflow we'll see you in the future I want